0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and with me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. Also of dogs 24-7, and this is what it all boils down to. Georgia, LSU, SEC championship game, play-in game for the college football playoff. Uh, Just doesn't get any bigger. Basically the same situation Georgia has been in the past two years with everything riding on this game. LSU is probably in a situation where win or lose, it's in the college football playoff. Uh, Alabama was in that situation last year, Georgia eliminated Auburn the year before, but Georgia doesn't have that luxury due to an early loss to South Carolina, and, uh, and we're going to talk about the game, obviously, we're going to give our picks, we're going to talk about the, uh, the, the the players we think have a chance to click, the players we think need to click, we're going to get into some, some offense stuff and what Georgia needs from, from the offense, and more specifically Jake Fromm, to win this game, but Rusty, before we get into any of that, have you seen anybody one person pick Georgia for this game? Just like one guy at all?
2: I was on the road the entire day today from daylight to dusk, and I listened to as much talk radio, as many podcasts as I was able to get in. I didn't hear one person pick Georgia today. Now, I will say I'm hearing a lot of people that think this game is going to be close or closer maybe than the current spread of seven. But I haven't seen anybody stand on the table and say Georgia's going to win this game. I have not, and I've listened to regional, local, national things, and just have it.
1: You know, I haven't even heard anybody say I like Georgia's chances in this game, or I think Georgia's got a better chance than most. Or I mean, I hadn't even gone that far. I'll say this, and it's one of the reasons the topic I brought that one of the reasons I brought this topic up. And listen, it's not that I don't have respect for these guys or whatever. I mean. You know everybody's got their own thing, and 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 most everybody does a really good job. But I was on the playbook with uh, with Horowitz and Ryan Leaf here yesterday, and uh, you know I was talking about Georgia running the football and and how important that was. And those dudes came at me like, "What? Why do you think do you think Georgia's going to be able to run the football?" And I'm like, well, yeah, I think they can. You know, I don't know if they will or not, but I think they can. And um, I, I don't know. I got the vibe from them that it was it was almost like, hey, uh, you're talking way too positive about Georgia if you think Georgia's going to hang in this game. So I, I found that pretty interesting. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm I'm like everybody else, man. I, I mean, I, I understand what LSU's done. I understand LSU's, you know, the number two team in the country, and they've beaten a lot of good teams, and that offense is on fire. But I also know Georgia's won six in a row against some pretty good teams itself and and uh, and has one of the best defenses in the country. And this is fire against fire, and this is the kind of stuff you want to see in these games. And it's all going to come down to who can punch left-handed the best, I feel like. And uh, and that's just what it is. But, yeah, I just want to get your take on that. I, I I don't think anybody's giving Georgia a chance at all. And um, I felt like there were more people giving Georgia a chance last year against Alabama when the Bulldogs were a 12-point underdog than this year when they opened as a 6-point underdog.
2: It's just sample size. And, and listen, I, I, I was listening to Barton's Cover 3 podcast, who I, I, I listen to it a lot. And Barton Simmons, our national director of recruiting, and does it with Chip Patterson and those guys. And they take a lot of heat from Georgia people because they, they, they make no bones about it. They're not, big, they're not big fans of Georgia. They think it's uh, – uh, they're all in agreement on Georgia's defense. But the way Georgia's offense has played, they just—they just don't see it. Um, they, you know, the last couple of weeks, they all picked Florida to beat them. They picked Auburn to beat them. I understand that when you look at the big—the big picture, that—that that it is—it has been a disappointing year offensively for Georgia. I think Jake will we'll get into this more, and Kip will, obviously, as well. Georgia's defense is damn good, and I'm talking elite good in this year. Um, that's going to keep them in this game, but we'll go down further. I, I just don't think that people understand the Auburn-LSU game was 10-10 at to 10 to the half. It was 13-10 to 10 with about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Okay, they, 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 they shut them down until LSU had to make some plays. Give them, give them credit. The Florida game was 21-21. to 21. So, those are comparable defenses. I think Georgia has a better defense probably than maybe those, or maybe Auburn's a little bit better than Georgia. I don't know, but... Georgia is not about to get drummed like Texas A&M did last weekend. I'm just telling you that's not going to happen, not in that building. I don't think people are giving Georgia's defense the right credit. They're giving them credit. I don't think they're giving them the right credit.
1: And the thing I keep hearing is the only way Georgia's got a chance is if Georgia does what Auburn does. And Georgia may I, not do what Auburn did uh, against LSU, but it's fully capable. Of it, I think. Every, I think everybody would would agree to that. I mean, you know, Georgia, for all intents and purposes, should have shut Auburn out. I mean, Eric Stokes catches a pick in the end zone. That there's a good chance that one's 21-0, or or maybe even 24-0, or something like that, because uh, uh, they had a, Georgia had a chance to pitch its fourth shutout of the season in that game and didn't. But uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I think Georgia's defense keeps a minute, and and we'll get into that a little bit further down the line. Before we do that, uh, Kip. I'm going to start with you here. What does Georgia need? What's the number one thing Georgia needs from Jake Fromm to beat
3: LSU? Well, I'd love to say four quarters of, of George Pickens, but that's obviously not going to happen. I think, uh, you know, you, you look at this team, we've seen them for 12 games. We know who Georgia is at this point. They're not going to change. But the one thing that we've established, and we said this before the season, was they don't have the wide receivers that the group they had last year. And it's not just about experience at this point. The guys they have that they're going to be able to put on the field right now, you know, the over even if healthy, the group was not what it was last season, and obviously, it's not what it was a month ago. You are not going to have Lawrence Cager on the field and you're not going to have George Pickens for the first half. And, I mean, just a clear question here, flipping it to you guys. I mean, when was Georgia's offense at its best against Georgia Tech in the last game? I'll go ahead and answer it for you. It was in the third quarter. And what was the difference? I mean, it's clearly when they had Pickens on the field. And so you look at Jake Fromm this season, a lot of people are looking right at him and saying he's regressed. And, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, he's, he's got to play better. But at the same time, I mean, when you look at the first drive of that Georgia Tech game, he hit, Fromm hits Kiaris. He's moving to his left. He hits him right in the hands and shoulder pad. And Orlovsky on, on the call says, Fromm needs to be more accurate. Now, again, <clears throat> the ball should have been a foot ahead of him. But it hit him right in the hands. And he did not reel it in. And that kind of goes to my point overall, looking at this, looking at Jake Fromm. You know, you look at Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. They moved to Matt Jones, you know, Tua's hurt. They didn't really have a drop-off in their production, so they really had to get into a shootout and try to hit the middle of the field. And the answer for that is easy. They had four first-round picks at wide receiver. You look at LSU under Joe Burrow. They're putting up record numbers. They've got a pair of first-round picks and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson lining up out there. You look at last year's national championship game. No one's questioning Trevor Lawrence's accuracy in that game when Justin Ross adjusts his entire body to correct and make two one-handed catches and one drive in that game. And so for, for from it's clear that he doesn't have what he had before wide receiver, and it's affected his level of play. He is taking more time to try to find the open receiver, and again, it's, it's not playing to his strengths to not have the guys he had out there before. So in this game, what is Fromm going to have to do? Well, again, they're going to have to use play action. He is going to have to take one or two shots out there, and he's going to need Pickens to have a huge second half. them to be able to win this football game i think that jake just needs to keep doing what he's doing he's got more experience playing in mercedes-benz than any quarterback in the country and i think he's going to be good for you know 240 yards a pair of touchdown passes in this game and he knows not to turn the football over he hasn't done it in the last six games and he hasn't turned the ball over in 11 games this season so if kirby gets to pick whether they turn the ball over or he throws it to where no one can catch it, he's going to want from to throw it to where no one can catch it at all. And, and that plays into what Kirby still wants. And then that is ball control, live the fight another day, and, and continue the, the, you know, to try to win the time of possession battle and turnover battle in this game. So if, if you're asking me what I think from needs to do, he needs to keep doing what he's been doing. He needs some guys to step up and make some plays, and he needs to continue to play with that same confidence he has. Every time he breaks the huddle.
2: I got a question for both of you real quick. You win, yeah. the, you win the coin toss. Do you defer and thinking you go on defense because you can steal an extra possession in the second half with George Pickens? Or do you get the ball and try to drive down their throat and, and create some offensive momentum?
1: I'm always a defer guy, but I, I and I don't think it's – There's no strategy in it in terms of schematics or scoring first or anything like that. I think you take the ball first because of the message it sends to your offense that's basically playing without a few fingers in this game is you tell them, hey, I think you can go out there and I think you can get us an early lead. And even if you can't, I still believed you could and I believe you're going to be fine and it just kind of puts them at ease. I also think that every single second early on in that game – that Georgia's offense can be on the field, it's also, it's a second that Joe Burrow and the LSU defense can't be on the field, and it is imperative that Georgia find a way to possess the football for at least 15, probably more like 16, 17, 18 minutes in the first half. That way that defense is ready to play down the stretch and uh, and kind of be in there whenever Georgia is back full strength on offense.
3: On the exact opposite I want my <laughs> I want as many possessions as I can with George Pickens on the football field. That's real. I mean, uh, I, I think I the understand. offense is different. The offense is different when he's on the field, and they're gonna have to respect that. And so for me, you know, I I, I look at it two ways one you normally want to defer because you just you want to have that that advantage to be able to know what what you got going into the halftime knowing that georgia's coaching staff is one of the best in the country at making adjustments they've shown it time and time again that they they do well in that category and again like i said you get a pickens out there uh, in the second half of course you want to start that second half on offense that's that's a one more possession that he is getting and you're having that opportunity at the very least that LSU's defense will have to scheme for him and prepare for him, and, and and absolutely defer to the second half and tell that defense in the first half, you guys have carried us throughout this season, and we expect you to do the same. You know, in this game, and, and go out there and, and let the
2: chips fall where they may. Fair enough. I, I see, Jake's. I, I I tend to agree with Kip. Give me one more possession with George Pickens and isn't the elite he makes lSU line up different against you and, and and I would take my chances on those six possessions most likely in the second half as opposed to five without a turnover
1: I see that reason and I also know that like there's no you can't play a two for one game uh at the end of the first half if if you don't get the ball to start the second half. So you know, there's there's strategic things like that. I just think that you know, from a coaching standpoint, that if you're trying to show some belief and some confidence in your offense, I think it might be a good move. But like I said, I'm always a defer guy, so I mean, it's it'd be hard for me to go against that. But I do I do like in a game like this, whenever everybody's counting your offense out, that that you kind of go roll it out there and say, hey guys, go get it done, go prove them all wrong right away, and uh, and maybe and a lot of that depends on too, like. Hey, what does is, what is your opening script look like? How do you feel about your game plan? And uh, do you think you can go out there and, and kind of set the tone in that game? And uh, we'll see kind of how it plays out. I, I assume they're going to defer, though, because that's kind of what they always do or, or they have done most of the time. Rusty, what's your thoughts on Jake Fromm? What does Georgia need from him to win this game?
2: Uh, Just, <clears throat> you know, Kip touched on a few things. I, I think uh, to get him off to a good start, I went back and watched the um, Alabama game last year. Um and I watched the second half yesterday, I believe, of the Auburn game two years ago. And, you know, <clears throat> just just making some plays. I think some guys are going to have to help him as well. I think getting him off to a good start uh, is important. You know, he, he has not the Georgia Tech game that didn't start well. And, um, you know, Texas A&M game started, kind of start a little bit slow. I think a, a good start – I'm not talking about seven points. I'm talking about getting the ball – driving the field, maybe getting a field goal attempt, or maybe flipping the field and showing LSU, hey, we can – you know, you remember everybody was wanting to know, could Georgia run on Alabama? That was a thing. Could Georgia run on Alabama? If you remember, Jim Cheney came out and was throwing it all over the place. Quick timing things. Kind of got Alabama off rhythm. I felt like they stole a the touchdown uh, pretty early uh, with a dime, I mean, a freaking dime from, from Jake Fromm to Isaac Nauta. But – uh, I wonder if, if Coley, you know, last week he started, what, three passes on the first series against Georgia Tech? I wonder if he tries again to to offset some things and get Jake lathered up. or, You know, all these things are going to be answered, man. You know, I, I just wonder how offensively they're going to do it, and I know that Jake Fromm needs to get off to a good start. And, you know, history says he's going to play well in that build, and he has in three big games. This is another big game. This is not bigger than the national championship where he uh, had a had a hell of a game, in my opinion. So, um, you know, we'll see if he gets off to a good start. But I think Jay Fromm needs to be Jake Fromm. He's been here. He's done it. He's led Georgia on game-winning drives. The Rose Bowl drive was incredible. Um, You know, some of the things he's done. Um, So, it's going to be interesting. Uh, All these questions are going to be answered Saturday. I just think for Jake Fromm, good, fast start. uh, Some nice early throws, momentum for him, and, and, and let it rip, see what happens.
1: Yeah, I I can definitely see that. Uh, And you kind of nailed mine right there in your last statement. Jake Fromm's got to go out there and just let it rip. I mean, I I know that it's it's really difficult. You know, Kip, you pointed out the fact that Jake Fromm hasn't turned the football over in 11 of 12 games this year, which is kind of remarkable. He had four turnovers in the one game that Georgia lost. Obviously, he's got to take care of the football. But I think there was some shell shock involved in that game. Now, he did come out – Couple weeks later against Florida and kind of let it rip a little bit, but even then, I thought I thought that was one of James Coley's best called games. And there were some open passes and he was a little hesitant at times, maybe hesitated a little bit on that throw to Lawrence Cager that that missed in the end zone and and Georgia kicked some field goals in that game where they should have scored touchdowns. But I just think Jake Fromm's got that's the one thing that I go back and I look from last year to this year is just kids just got to let it go. I mean and and listen, I think really highly of him as a quarterback. I think really highly of him as a kid. I've been really critical of him. I feel like the last few weeks because he's he's not playing like he's capable of playing, and I think some of it just has to do with with his, he's just hesitant, and he's and he's I think he's a little bit worried about letting the chips fall where they may, and and you know maybe that's coached into him a little bit because of how the turnovers cost Georgia a game, and and it wasn't like I not didn't, didn't think he was being careless with the football in those games, other than the one interception. But uh, it just comes down to to him playing confident football, and that was the number one thing he did in that SEC championship game last year. He dropped back, he got on that back foot. It was one read, maybe two. That ball was out. The ball was accurate. It was to to where his guy could catch it. Um, you know, you, you look at several different throws in that game, and you're just kind of like, wow. I mean, the the touchdown to Riley Ridley was probably one of the best throws um, of Jake Fromm's career. And the thing about that, y'all. Is, is Jake Fromm has made a few of those in every game during this little stretch of games where he hasn't been able to complete 50% of his passes. He's made one or two, three sometimes of those throws in, in against Missouri, against Auburn, against Texas A&M, and against Georgia Tech. He's got to hit the layups. He's got to make the easier throws. He's got to be what he was on third down against Florida. I don't necessarily know that they need to hit two of three, but I think they need at least 50%. And I think that'll be really huge for the but, Bulldogs in this game if but, he can do that.
3: But Jake, don't these receivers need to make the layups? Isn't that kind of the key you mentioned? Yeah, Riley. but I don't really. see them dropping too many layups. Kip.
1: I mean, I see them dropping a couple. Like a, you know, Kyris Jackson has a couple drops on slant routes and everything. But when they got the ball, when they when they've got these wide open guys over the top, you got to hit them. You know, you got
3: to give them a chance. What a right. Th- well, that's exactly what. Uh, matt jones did against auburn tried to hit those guys over the middle and he and he threw pick sixes and, and he turned the ball over i think that's exactly why jake Fromm's not hitting these guys over the middle because i haven't shown that they can catch the ball you know a, a facing contact that they can catch the ball when they know the safety's safety that's a good in. point when they can catch the ball just knowing what comes across the middle and that's not just chiaris that's not just demetrius Robertson. But, thats I mean, that's also the tight ends. You know, that's just a facet that they haven't shown, probably in practice, too, that they're able to do successfully and consistently. And I don't think that Kirby Smart wants him unloading that ball across the middle because, again, that it's a high-percentage turnover throw. I think Kirby would rather take a low-percentage outside catch than a high percentage turnover throw across the middle, and I think that's kind of where this offense is right now. I just I'm not sure that Jake Fromm thinks he has that guy who can make that that pass consistently. And yeah, you're right. Has that made him more hesitant? Yeah, I think again the amount of time he's sitting sitting spinning back there in the pocket this season. So 2018 to 2017, it's clear, but also, I mean, if we get into kind of a chicken and the egg conversation here, he doesn't have those guys back, you know, making those catches. He doesn't have Terry Godwin there. That Terry Godwin would make that catch regardless, no questions asked. Miko Harbin would stretch that defense down and, and take two defenders off of Terry Godwin, so he can make the catch clean across the middle. Or maybe Isaac Nana can make that catch clean across the middle because of what Miko's doing. They don't. I mean, how many guys do they have out there that we know for sure are running sub four 640s regardless of what their GPS says? I mean, that is again, we are. They are who they are at this point. But I, I'm not sure that that's part of the game that that from regardless of what he wants to do is it's going to be able to do in this matchup. And it, it we are at the they are who they are time of the season where they're gonna have to play to their strengths and trying to open up the offense and, and just attack the middle of the field would be something that's completely out of character for what this team has right now. Well my
1: counter to that would be one, I don't know that they can beat LSU in a four-quarter ball game without opening it up at some point. And two, they really did attack the middle of the field in their most successful game this season. Offensively, definitely most successful game in that second half of the season against Florida. Uh, did a really good job of going down the middle of the field. That, and I'm not necessarily talking about throwing it down the middle of the field, Kip. I'm talking about like the you haven't even seen the back shoulder fade you didn't see the back shoulder fade for weeks until it popped up against Texas A&M. They did it on back-to-back plays, put together a scoring drive, used it last week against uh, Georgia Tech for a touchdown. I think that needs to come back into the offense. My main point about Fromm is, is I just think he's just, he's just got to snap out of it and play with confidence. Just let the chips fall where they may, throw the football, do what he can with it, and then ultimately it's going to work out. Because I personally believe Georgia's path to victory and, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this when I make my pick a little bit, is they gotta they got to lean on the ground game because I think DeAndre Swift's fine, and they've got to lean on the ground game and go right at LSU and set the tone in this game early. Uh, I'm not really putting it all on Jake Fromm. I'm just saying that when they need him, he's just got to turn it loose and be the guy that we've seen him be in the past and, and you know give his guys a chance to make plays. All right, we're going to jump into a break right here, right here real quick. Before we do that, folks – Still a great deal going on at Dogs 24-7 right now. 50% off an annual subscription or $1 for your first month if you decide to go monthly. But if you think about it, I know it may sound basic to some. Maybe you're not picking up on it quite as quick. 50% off means you get six months free at Dogs 24-7. All right? That's six months of the year for free. And, uh, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. We did 75% off earlier in the week for Cyber Monday. That's out. But you can still get fifty percent off, and uh, there's a ton going on right now, folks. Like I, I thought for a second that my guys Kip and Rusty were going to have a little bit of a laid-back time going into the early signing period. is picking up. Things are going to get a little bit get a little bit interest in there. George is in on some guys that we didn't really think they were as much in on a couple weeks ago. So there's a lot going on in recruiting. There's a lot going to go on with team stuff here. You're going to have guys making NFL draft decisions. We're going to be sharing our thoughts about that ahead of time all of that 50% off. Let's run into this break real quick. And on the other side, we're going to get into our picks and we're going to get into our picks to click and all of that stuff.
0: eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys. We're gonna we're gonna jump away from old timer
1: new timer this week, even though that kind of morphed into one of my favorite segments, because I just like saying old timer new timer. But we're gonna jump into we're gonna go offense-defense, because this is such a big game, and I do think that uh, that that it's it's pertinent to kind of look offense defense and there really are no old timers and new timers anymore. Most of these guys have a full regular season under their belt at this point. And Rusty, I'm going to start with you. Give me one offensive player and one defensive player that m- maybe you think they're going to click. Maybe you think they need to click. Whatever when it comes to L- this LSU game.
2: Uh, Monty Rice for for the defense. And you know he's going to be um, he's going to be you know. We talk about, you know, LSU's running back, um, Edward Delaire. He, he is a um, phenomenal football player. He, uh, he, he has got great change of direction. I mean, this dude, he's got to be hard to see uh, just watching him. This guy's probably five, maybe 5'8", five, maybe 5'8". Uh, and, and he just he bounces around and he makes you miss in small spaces. Monty Rice has got to be able to get him to the ground and he's going to have to be able to keep Burrow at times from taking off. I think there's going to be a lot on him and Tay Crowder. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see if N'Kobe Dean plays more this week. Um, you know, he's been getting in a little bit. You know, how do they do? We, we always talk about the third downs with Adam Anderson, Jermaine Johnson, those guys. Are they going to are they going to play them a little bit more uh, just to, out of respect for Burrow? So, I think Monty Rice offensively um, – you know, we can all talk about, you know, I think Jake Fromm's a, a, a consensus one. I'm, I'm going to go Tyler Simmons, and the reason I'm going to go Tyler Simmons is they've got to have him. They have got to have – two weeks in a row, he's made two really good plays, two really good plays. And, Jake, you talked about it earlier, those back shoulder throws, those back shoulder fades. Uh, Tyler Simmons caught a big one against Texas A&M, he caught one last week. We all know, for whatever reason we can talk about it, we all know that he is an elite athlete. He's a 210, 215-pound guy, 10,600. They need him this weekend to make one or two big plays. And what I've seen the last two weeks out of him, uh, he's probably got some confidence. Jake Fromm's probably got a little more confidence in him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go maybe a, what, what would be a sleeper, and I think Tyler Simmons needs to make one or two of those uh, to, to flip the field. Uh, who knows, maybe take one of the house on a reverse, something like that. But uh, I'll go Monty Rice and, and Tyler Simmons.
1: To borrow from Larry Munson, Kip, what do you got?
3: I'm going to keep beating the same drum, man. I'm not going to stop right now. I think I think with Georgia, it's. I mean, it's got to be diversifying this run game. And I don't just mean outside. I mean, I mean inside, too. And you got to use – James Cook in as many ways possible. I mean, when he goes in motion, it can't be the only way that you're utilizing James Cook is putting him in motion and then giving him the ball on a sweep or, or a toss. You got you to gotta give him some more touches. And regardless of if Swip's okay, if he's 88%, 85%, whatever he's at right now as far as his health rate, he got a clean and fresh for all that we know, James Cook out there who is getting chunks of yards every time he touches the ball. I mean, I, I think – and really, I mean, putting him out there in the slot, you know, it's not playing to his strengths as, as a completely natural receiver. And I mean that just – his route tree is not going to be that of what you expect out of the position full time. And, and the same aspect, they're not going to look at him out there and think he's going to be out there run blocking either – but you got to give him some time out there to, again, keep the defense off their heels if he is a decoy. But also, I mean, give him some more opportunities and, and see what happens. I think, you know, you start looking at how you're going to attack the LSU defense. I don't think you want to go outside at cornerback and just expect, you know, those two cornerbacks to uh, to give up a ton of plays, high percentage, you know, completions out there but you get James Cook the ball you start you know throwing him the ball out of the slot or you know giving him the ball just regular carries I think good things will happen and, and so James Cook's definitely my pick is if George is going to win this game I think offensively he needs to have a couple big big runs a couple big catches break off one possibly get to that second level and then on defense you know I got I got to go with Tyler Clark You know, going out on top. You know, I thought about Devontae Wyatt for a a long time because he's had a lot of quarterback pressures this season. He's played outstanding when he's on the field. But again, Tyler Clark just being, you know, that last hurrah for him. He's also, again, had, I think, 14 pressures. He's had three sacks. He's been good at that department. And if you start looking at matchups, you know, Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry, the third for LSU, he's had some struggles this year at center. I mean, he's allowed well over 20 pressures this year. He's allowed three sacks. He, has, he hasn't he has been good, you know, pass blocking or really in the run game either. That's definitely, if you're looking at weak spots in the LSU offense, it's right there. So if Georgia can, can you know, get some disruption in the passing game, and then as well, I mean, obviously, if they're going to have a chance, they're going to have to stop Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from, from doing his job. And and so being that, you know, that defensive front that georgia has been this year, I think the key will be right there with Tower Clark winning some battles, you know, giving them some negative plays, putting LSU, uh, you know, behind the sticks. I look for him to have a big game and, and give Georgia a chance to get a couple key stops. And, you know, that every one of those stops is going to be like gold to Kirby Smart and that coaching staff
1: uh i've picked this guy a few times this year on offense it feels like uh and, and once again it's because of offense and special teams but i'm going Dominic blaylock i i it just seems like i think he's got five touchdown catches this year and, and i think it, that's out of 19 receptions if i'm not mistaken which is is pretty impressive so basically you know every time every two or three i mean sorry every four or five catches he's uh he's bringing one in for a touchdown 17 catches For five touchdowns this year so basically uh between three and four every three and four receptions one of them's going for a touchdown last time i picked him he had a 51 yard touchdown catch against auburn humble brag uh or not necessarily a humble brag just a brag and uh so i think he i think he's key in this game because i also look back to last year's game and that's when when uh uh lsu had greedy williams and christian fulton on the outside This year, they've got Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton on the outside. So I think attacking uh, Kerry Vincent a little bit more in the slot is is probably a good idea for them. Uh, I think that, you know, kind of working on those safeties a little bit. I think Blaylock's the guy who can take advantage of that. And not only that, but, but LSU's averaging 16 yards per punt return this year. And I know 77 of them came on on the the phenomenal return from Jalen Waddle, but they had a 21-yarder this past week against Texas A&M. And Georgia's got a little bit going in the punt return game here lately with Dominic Blaylock, so I think that hidden yardage could be really important. Defensively, I hope I picked the right safety. I'm going Richard LeCount because I think a big way that you kind of combat what LSU does offensively is you go with some robber coverage. You kind of try to fool maybe Joe Burrow into looking at the wrong safety rolling one guy underneath and one guy playing man-free back there to kind of get in on some of these uh, some of these dig routes and some of these slants. I think LeCount is the kind of guy that can jump one of those routes and make a play. He did in last year's SEC Championship game on the open and drive. Not necessarily that kind of play per se, but but kind of baited Tua into a throw and and uh, kept uh, kept Alabama off the board on a promising open and drive and really allowed Georgia to kind of seize the early momentum there as we know, it was momentum that Georgia couldn't hold on to for four quarters, but Alabama had a really good football team, so it was it was kind of tough there, and and that tide kind of changed whenever DeAndre Walker went out there at outside linebacker. Uh, I don't necessarily – I want to go – I want to talk about the pressure that Georgia can put on a quarterback in this game, but, yo, I watched a lot of games this year. LSU has given up, uh, I want to say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25, 27 sacks. I did the numbers earlier today. Man, I've seen Joe Burrow get blasted, hop right back up, and make some of the best throws you've seen. That's probably the most impressive thing about the kid is he may be the toughest quarterback I've ever watched. Seen. LSU's given up 27 sacks this year, uh, one every 6. 16.2 pass attempts. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I, I'm going to go with the safety there, and, and I'm going to pick Richard Lecount. although I think J.R. Reid's perfectly capable of, of doing that. And, I, and another thing, guys, super important that Georgia tackles tackles well when, when their receivers catch the football. Because if yards after catch are a big part of this game, for LSU's offense, Georgia's not going to win. Got to stop those receivers in their tracks because they're going to get open and they're going to catch balls. Uh, let's get into the picks, guys. Rusty, starting off with you. Let's hear the news.
2: I mean, why do you come at me like that? Like, Let's hear the news, Rusty. I mean, why, why, why do I have to go first? <laughs> um, you know I, I I thought about this a good bit today I'm, I know this is a uh, you know, there's only 11 games I think this weekend and let's be honest this is the game this, there's nothing close to what's going this is a there's so many implications of this game um, you know if I'm Utah and Oregon you know that game's over tomorrow night uh, Friday night you know and, and you kind of know what's going on there all eyes, all eyes will be on this game. Fans- Rusty,
1: Rusty, I'll stop you real quick. There's an outcome in this game that makes all the rest of them completely irrelevant.
2: Sure, Very that's
1: good. that's that's why this game is is the game. Is Georgia wins, nothing else really matters.
2: And, and and in reality, there's two playoff games. You know, on paper, this is this is a playoff game. I mean, this for all for intents and purposes this is the, this is a playoff game. Again, for Georgia in this building. Uh, You know, I've heard all week and listened to things. And, and, um, you know, I I know how Georgia has played when they haven't had the pressure on them, meaning they do have pressure to win this game to extend their season into a meaningful season. But nobody is picking Georgia. Nobody's picking Georgia. Um, LSU knows they're in. LSU is in the the playoffs. It would take a miracle for them not to be, you know, if they lose this game. You know, I look at the fans, and I think I saw today on analytics, 72% right now, Georgia, because LSU fans know they're going to be making a trip sooner or later uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So they're saving their – maybe, they're. you know, that's the, the, the purpose behind this. You look at all that, and you guys know I've been LSU. I've been on LSU all year except the Alabama game, and I, and I didn't have the sack to do it, but I, I have thought LSU has been that team all year. Uh, they look confident. They look like they're on a roll. They've got a a, a quarterback that's going to turn 23 years old next uh, Tuesday. Um, you know, it's a grown man. They've got an elite running back. They've got, as Kip said, they got first-rounders or wide receiver. Every possible reason is there to pick LSU, every possible reason. Everybody's going to say, this is a homer pick. I work for a Georgia site. Um, I have studied as much as I can on this game. I feel like this game is going to come down to the very last minutes. Um, and I know that drives Georgia fans crazy to to think about another game like that and what's went on, you know, all went on in that building. You know, I just get that vibe of Georgia. They got embarrassed at LSU last year. They got embarrassed. When you look at this 85-man roster, there's not much difference. There's a couple different playmakers on offense for LSU. Uh, their offense is rolling, but when you look at the the defense and all those things around it, Georgia's got a kicker, uh, the punter's been playing better. You know, they've got a defense that I think is the best defense LSU's played. And they're gonna play in their backyard basically in their state. You know, I I couldn't picture myself saying this all day, but just the last two hours, I I just think Georgia's gonna find a way to win. And and that's not. I'm. I'm being dead honest. I'm not saying that to to uh, you know play to our sight and all that. I think Georgia is going to win this game. I don't know that Georgia is going to win the national championship. I tell you what. If Georgia winds up playing LSU again in Baton Rouge, it, oof, that is a that is a very tough scenario for Georgia. They got to be better one time. That's Saturday. Defense travels. Defense is going to come to Mercedes Benz. I'm going to say Georgia 31 LSU 30 in a hell of an instant classic. A hell of an instant classic and I think Georgia is going to score seven points on defense somehow some way strip. You know, I love to pick by Richard account. You know, he's he is very he's got a nose for the football. That strip he had at Texas A&M game, something like that. Somehow some way uh I'm going to go with Georgia 31 to 30.
1: All right. Rusty shocking the world. Kip, what you got? Oof.
3: Well, again, I, I think that Georgia's offense works at its best whenever it could just take large chunks of time off that clock. A time of possession is the key to winning this game for Georgia. And honestly, when I talk about having a diversified run game, honestly, I'm actually talking about the interior offensive line being able to win battles against LSU's front seven. I mean, when you look at what Georgia's been able to do, they are, and it's obvious why they have m- more success there. But their run game has done better outside the tackles. Again, a- Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, you know, maybe two f- first-round picks, definitely a a top-five pick and a top, you know, first-fifty picks kind of player. in Isaiah Wilson, they're playing to their strengths. But again, to win this game, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. You know, between the tackles and the this offensive line has been again all year long. They've been talked about how the best pass blocking offensive line in the country. You know, they need to step up and prove they can move the pile in the run game too. And, and, and Trey Hill is, I got to give him credit. You know, he middle of the season, it was getting pretty ugly. And the last couple of games, Trey Hill's come on. He's played. He's played really well. And he's got to continue to do that. But the left guard position, you know, they got to get better play there. Uh, I thought that whenever they put Jamari Sawyer out there, I got to be honest, he, he looked really good. And Solomon Kenley hasn't had his best season. Uh, it's a tough decision there if you're Kirby Smart and Sam Pittman. I really liked what I saw from Jamari Sawyer. And, and if it's not clicking early, you got you got to plug them back out there and see what happens, in my opinion. And, again, I talked about earlier, Fromm's played three games in Mercedes-Benz. You know, he's going to be good to complete 62 64% of his passes. Uh, I think that, you know, he's going to have a solid game. He's going to put Georgia in a position to win. And if you look at Auburn and Florida, they kept LSU on their toes because they hit the mid-range passes. You know, and their their line, their line play was outstanding. Georgia's lines are better than Auburn and Florida's line overall. You know that I think the defensive line should be good enough to to get enough stops against LSU's run game to to get the ball back on offense to have enough possessions to win this game. My question is, again, is Georgia going to have enough on offense? Uh, You know, the LSU's offense and Georgia's defense, I think that's. You know that's two strengths on strength. I think they're you know they're almost really going to cancel each other's out. I think you know LSU's not going to hit what they average, and you know, I think LSU's probably going to. I mean, the key to this game is whether they break that 30-point barrier. I don't know that Georgia can put 30 points on the board because I think LSU's defense is is not getting enough credit uh, for uh, for how well they've played this season. Uh, if you're asking me if LSU's defense or Georgia's offense has played better this season, I think I would definitely say LSU's defense has played better this season. It's just not – it's being overshadowed by that offense. And so I, I think for for Georgia, Joe Burrow is going to – is going to hit on some big scoring throws. And I'm not sure Georgia is going to be able to keep up in the first half or when they get a, what's closer to a healthy offense in the second half – with George Pickens to keep up with him. I think that not having Cager out there is going to hurt George a lot. Not having Pickens out there for the first half could be the difference in the game. I think LSU wins 30-27. to 27.
1: All right. Uh, break,
2: break the tie, Jake.
1: Oh, man. Break this it. is yeah. tough. This is tough because, I, you know, I've thought all week, I've kind of had the opinion all week that that George is kind of getting shortchanged this 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 week. Like, you know, the talk has kind of been George the sisters of the poor or something. Like, this is this is just a total mismatch that LSU's kind of facing a four-loss team or a three-loss team in the SEC championship game. I think Georgia comes out ready to play. I think Georgia comes out swinging. I think Georgia comes out running the football well. I think they're going to get some better play from the, from the quarterback. They're going to get some better play from the offensive of linemen, and it's going to be inspired football. I, I really do, like, when I think about this, I like Georgia's chances to win this game. But I think I might like LSU's a little bit more if I'm using logic. And I just look at the ability to put a four-quarter game together I haven't seen Georgia do that but once in the past three years in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. As well as they've played, they put one four-quarter game together and it was against Auburn. Uh, they, they've struggled the past two years doing it. Now, this this is, I think, and this is what kind of really throws me off here. This is kind of the X factor, the, the, the wrench in the fly in the ointment for me, I would say, is – I think this is the worst defense, Georgia, and and I'm like Kip. I think the defense has outperformed Georgia's offense this year, but I think this is the worst defense Georgia has played in an SEC championship game, that it's played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I think Auburn 2017 was better. I think Alabama 2017 and 2018 was better. Uh, So... It all kind of comes you know, full circle for me to say this. I think LSU's got a better chance of putting together four quarters of solid offensive football, and I think when it comes down to it, whether the stops are early or whether they're late, I think LSU's got a better shot at getting enough of them. I think we're going to see less points, and I'm giving Georgia's defense a little bit more credit because I think it's going to be 24-20 LSU. I think Georgia's defense plays lights out. I think the offense plays well early and uh and it's just going to be a little tougher to come by late and, and lsu makes the one extra play that gets them a the win and uh uh you know I, I i know there are a lot of folks out there to want me to be wrong and uh we'll see if it happens we'll see if kip's wrong we'll see if rusty's right rusty got a chance to grab some serious glory here man if georgia wins of course i don't think kip and i are going to get thrown under the bus too hard folks are going to be too happy about it uh but for this episode of the junkyard Dogcast, i'm jake rowe with dogs 24 7 with me have been Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. Remember, 50% off an annual subscription at Dogs 247 right now, 24-7. It's there. Go check it out. 50% off, six free months. Just sign up. You get the full year. with for
3: Kip, do you know the number exactly? Do you know what the exact cost of it is? You keep putting me on the spot here. I can't do math right now on the spot. I think that... uh the full subscription fifty-something dollars yeah it's definitely in the mid 50s it's a sweet deal and you should definitely jump on it right now all right 50 something dollars we're
1: really sorry for for taping this podcast kind of late so i think we're all kind of worn out a little bit but uh give us a shot over there 50 percent off an annual subscription but for this episode we're done take care everybody